A note. Following advice from work-life imbalance may lead to action being taken by HR, your family, the authorities, or higher powers. Life Imbalance, an advice show focusing on workplace and lifestyle issues. Any resemblance to actual advice, living or dead, or actual wisdom is purely coincidental. I'm your monstrous manager, Frank Eastman. And I'm your lovable office companion, Derek Lewis. Today we'll be talking about thermostat wars and the deep dive before we address some audience questions and issues from the internet. But first, want to do the daily stand-up? Sure. Let's do it. All right. So uh, for the daily stand-up, I have uh, a counter to uh, one of our earlier episodes that we had done uh, okay. where we discussed uh, the the Great British Bake Off. Okay. So there's a new cooking show on Netflix. I don't know uh-huh. if you've seen it yet or if you've heard of it. I'll give you a guess. All right. <laughs> Okay, what well, what is the name of it? Oh, I, I, I thought you were gonna give. I thought you were gonna guess. No, 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 no. Well, I, I'm I'm going to guess that it's called Nailed It. That's the one that I'm talking about. <laughs> of course, of course, I've seen it, Frank. Oh. If it is a baking show and it's on a streaming service, I've seen it. All the baking for you, huh? All right. <laughs> I'm not gonna steal your thunder, though. You go ahead. It was uh, it was fairly new, and I, I didn't know if you had uh, <laughs> if you had already managed to scope oh, that. Oh, you thought you was gonna get the drop on old Derek Lewis, didn't you? <laughs> thought I was the gonna no. sneak that one in, but I guess not. <laughs> no, sir. You gotta wake up a lot earlier than me. Well, which it- is not very hard, all things considered. But if it if your first thing to do in the morning was to watch baking shows on Netflix, you might beat me. But other than that, no. Other than that, yeah. I don't know. This thing is fucking hilarious. It is. <laughs> it is. It is something like a deconstruction of the Great British Bake Off or, or just right. any, any cooking show. It's like it is of, I would say, approximately the same quality as like a Food Network show. Right. But it's specifically not a Food Network show. Like very intentionally anti-Food Network show. Like... It, it, it's so it's so weird. They put so much effort into making it look like they're being real amateur about it. Yes, like it's it's hilarious how slapdash it they make it, but you can tell that all of it is like very intentional. It the uh, the way we we sort of put it was this is a Food Network show constructed entirely by sentient memes from the internet. <laughs> I mean that's that's pretty much it. I mean. Uh, the the main girl, uh, Nic- woman Nicole sorry. Byer. Nicole Byer is, uh, I mean, she's from Girl Talk from MTV. So like, she is a who? I mean, yeah, and she she is hilarious. And like, her career was started, or at least this part of her career, her like more uh, successful part of her career has been, you know, basically talking about like girl stuff and memes and current events and shit like that so i mean you know this is i guess <laughs> i'm not gonna say this is exactly 
a logical progression of her career, but uh, definitely somebody that if you're trying to make a hip and trendy cooking show, she was the best choice. Like, some of the shit that is on there is just hilarious. Oh, God. Uh, my favorite, like, I've, I've seen a couple episodes at this point. We're trying to space it out since there's only six. But right. the first episode with uh, Sylvia <laughs> Weinstock. Oh, my God. Had you been stealing ex- fucking pans <laughs> steal- out of the pantry? Stealing the goddamn pans <laughs> out of the pantry. I just, oh, I love her so much. I had not been exposed to her before. And she is exactly like if someone took someone's grandmother and then put her on high heat in the dryer for too long so that she kind of <laughs> shrank her down a little bit. So, like, the oversized glasses, the oversized draping clothes, and she's just, she gets bored at one point and just starts wandering around the set and is like, ooh, these are very nice pans, and just picks up a pan. It's like, I'm I'm taking this home. I mean, who are they to tell her no? And she was like, it's like, yeah, it's no good if you don't have the whole set. So you can assume that somebody was was at that time, like, putting the shit in her car. (laughs) Pretty much. And you know she doesn't need it. Oh no! Because, I mean, she is like the uh, the cake decorator to the stars, right. apparently in New York. She is, like, she is the wedding cake designer for like the richest of the rich. Yeah. So she just <laughs> she just decided that those were really nice pans, and she had to have some. <laughs> like she was a hoot. I love the the glasses. It's like uh, watching a real life Edna Mode. Exactly. That was that was our exact thought. Is she's the costume lady from The Incredibles? Like that is our first thought. Oh, I, I and it's just like the whole show is just so charming. And uh, what, what's the name of the uh, the 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 male baker? Uh, ja- Jacques Torres. Jacques Torres. I mean, yes. You know, I I thought he was going to be kind of stiff and you know not very funny, but like you know, and he kind of was the first episode. Didn't didn't really know what to do with with uh, Nicole Byer. But uh, by the second episode, he is just cracking jokes just like she is. Like, it is, it yeah. is so charming. <laughs> he's He's got a good personality for for this sort of medium. Like, I think he's worked in other... Th- I've seen him on, like, other shows and stuff like that. So he, he definitely has a good sort of uh, stage presence. Especially right. and including, like, the thick French accent, which I have to assume <laughs> he has kept cultivated to some extent. Because I think he's been in the U.S. for a very long time. No, yeah, I think you're right. I think he has, like, kept it very carefully cultivated. Um, but there is that uh, there is that one really southern lady. Um, oh, <laughs> yes, the grandmama. <laughs> the grandmama. And... Uh, you know, he said that he was going to, going to explain something at one point, and she was like, "Well, you're going to have to talk some English." <laughs> he looked at her like, "The fuck you say?" <laughs> and then when the two of them were talking over there, everybody else is looking around like, "Can you understand anything that either of them are saying?" Because he's got the French accent, she's got the Southern accent. And they're just babbling back and forth, and everybody else is looking around like, what the hell are these two talking about? Oh, and they were playing up the, uh, like, like her saying that, that he was dreamy. Like, they were, they were <laughs> they playing that up that. so hard, they kept playing, like, the heart music behind it while she was talking about it. He was like, oh, that accent, he could... He could bake my biscuits all day. It's like, <laughs> oh, that, that, oh, it's a really good show. As I said, I've only seen like uh, two or three episodes of it at this point, and uh, I, I hope they pick it up and continue doing some of it because 
I, I think it's getting really good reception. And uh, yeah. one of my favorite things about the show, uh, you know, I mean, obviously, Nicole Byer is hilarious. Um, and <laughs> the part in the first episode where they have the button to sabotage the other players with the Nicole Nags button. Oh, that's great. And so, you know, she goes around and <laughs> she starts nagging them. And, like, I can't remember if it's the first or third episode, but she makes this ungodly guttural scream at one point. <laughs> It is not. It is not a noise that a human makes. Like she sounded like a car alarm. It was yeah. so funny. Uh, but she gets back to the desk, and uh, and Jacques was like, "You, uh, I'm not even going to do the accent. I'm not even going to try. Uh, you know, you're very good at that." She was like, "Oh, I am really annoying." <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> like Jessica and I fell out of our chairs on that one because it was oh, yeah. so funny. I absolutely oh. love her. This is a great vehicle for her, and I hope that this, you know, continues moving her career forward. Because fuck yeah, I would love to see her in other stuff, and and not as like you know some sort of uh, like perfect professional, but exactly what she's doing there is like, hey, we have this this you know some sort of show or competition or whatever, and we don't want to take ourselves too seriously. We kind of want to take the piss out of it, so. You know, we're gonna add Nicole Byer in there to make you know to kind of break it up a little bit and not make it as serious and you know be funny and slapdash about it. And I think I think you could basically do that with with anything. Like <laughs> if like uh, what, what's his name? Um, uh, the the not not uh, Tim the Toolman Taylor, but uh, the guy that he like always aspired to be the guy that that fixes up old houses. Um, oh, Bob Vila. Bob Vila, like if you had a show on Netflix that was Bob Vila and Nicole Byer going through reno- house renovations, she'd be walking through. It's like I got a sledgehammer. <laughs> <laughs> I would watch that show too. I definitely would watch that show. Oh my god! Oh, at this point, yeah, this... Bob Vila's got to be nine thousand years old, though. I'm sure he is, but I would just show the, enough. It would just be called this old host, right? <laughs> But I would I would watch this old house with uh, Nicole Byer. That would be yeah. Uh, I'm not gonna say it, w- it would be tasteful, um, but it would be funny. No, definitely. <laughs> I mean, they might not get a lot done, but it would definitely be awesome. I could see like that sort of concept. I could see in sort of that Canadian uh, Canada's worst handyman sort of thing, where right. it's just like you know you're watching a couple of goofballs absolutely fuck up home renovations i would i would see that show that's a good show that's that's a definite excellent platform for her like and and the show probably won't make that much money because after they you know uh unless these idiots are renovating their own home uh you know they go to somebody else and they renovate their home they're basically gonna have to buy the home after they're done with it like pay them for the damages to their home um, so, I mean, it's really going to have to take off to be even, to even be in the black on that one. I think one of but the I things that we're sure. liking about nailed it is, uh, uh, just the stagehand guy. I, I oh my forget God. what the fuck his name is, but like, I, I, I hope that West, scripted. I think Wes, that's it. It's Wes. Yeah. I, I have to, I have to assume that all this shit with Wes, where he's like showing up late or forgetting to bring things on set. Yeah, like the trophy I, wasn't out front or anything. 
it's got to be scripted, but at the same time, it is it is as you said, charming. Where it's just like, <laughs> where the hell's Wes? And like then, he popped out know. from under the table. Yeah. Uh, there was, although there was one, uh, it, like it wasn't a major one. It wasn't like when they were bringing it. It might have when they were bringing out like the stand mixer or something. But uh, there was one that I could have sworn it was organic because like it seemed he, like it. Yeah, like he legitimately popped out. It's like, oh fuck, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I didn't know we were doing the thing. <laughs> it's just some guy in stage blacks with, you know, the headset mic and everything else. Like, he definitely looks like he's part of the uh, backstage crew. Yeah, he's just one of, like, the uh, like the really attractive grips that, you know, doesn't really do a whole lot well, but he's kept around because he can, you know, he can tape something to something else and he's attractive. Like, Yeah. And I get it. Like That's a good gig that's if totally you can cool. get it. <laughs> Nobody's paying me to stand around and look pretty. Uh, I'm not going to comment on why, but. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, with that, do you want to get to the deep dive? Yeah, let's do this. Uh, all right. For the deep dive, uh, going to a topic that I think most people in the office uh, experience. Um, and I will comment that. We're not doing the topic that I want to do because Frank wouldn't let me because he was afraid. Let's, let's not start no shit, Derek. You know how <laughs> these things happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I talk shit to you and you edit in, edit somehow, like piece together me saying something bullshit. I get it. Um, Pretty much. But uh, t- today I want to talk about thermostat wars. Um which is timely, given that uh, at least here in the South and and in many other places, the weather is completely fucking insane. Like it I is, mean, going forty degrees in either direction overnight. Yeah, like, it is going crazy, and you know, with that, like you have uh, these just wild swings in outside temperature, and it you know it kicks in a lot, kicks on a lot of like automated systems to be like, oh shit, it's twenty degrees, turn on the heat. But the problem is, is that they don't always shut off. Uh, and, you know, if, you know, some people who prefer a warmer climate, like <laughs> those bastards that love the tropical office environment, they're uh, not going to turn it off. Like they're going to let monsters. it go. And so, you know, they get there at 630 in the morning before everybody else. And <laughs> they're just basking in the sauna that is the office. And by the time I get there at, you know, 830, 45, I mean, it is like it is sweltering. And yeah, I don't want to have swamp ass by 1030 in the morning <laughs> on a day when it's 38 degrees outside. Like, you know, on a on a perfect or in some perfect situation, you wouldn't have swamp ass at all. But yes. we're we're realists on this podcast. We understand <laughs> there will. Yes, there will be swamp ass. Uh, some, some days it's unavoidable. Uh, I mean, in the south, when it's like 100 degrees with 110 percent humidity. <laughs> That's just walking from the car to the office. I mean, the swamp ass starts as soon as you step out of the shower. Like, there is no escaping it. But at least you I never got dry that in. day. I just I took a shower and <laughs> never got dry. We had to burn the towel afterwards because it was not clean moisture that it wicked off of me. Um, but no, you at least hope that wouldn't set in until like 1 or 2 p.m. when it hits like the warmest part of the day. But it, when it's like 8.45 and you're already peeling off your outer layer of clothes because it's so hot, um, that that creates what we call a hostile work environment for some people. I get hostile, that's for sure. <laughs> I mean, like, 
this is why I have a desk fan. And it's not like a weak desk fan. Like, I have right. chosen my desk fan specifically for power. <laughs> <laughs> and not not even for silence, just purely for power. Nope, I gotta turn that bastard off when people want to come have a conversation with me, because <laughs> it is like standing next to a 747 during takeoff. It's like, oh, sorry, sorry. What, what were you saying? <laughs> like, I want a fan that when I turn it on, it browns out the floor. Like, that's that's the amount of air movement I need to stay comfortable, given all of these people who uh, get cold so easily. Like, if, if it isn't blowing papers off the desk from 30 paces, it's not doing its job. <laughs> and I mean, here's the thing. If you get cold, you can have a work blanket. I know people who have work blankets. It's Absolutely. You know, it's on the back of their chair, just folded up. They get cold. They pop out the blanket. I can't have a work Speedo. That's the kind of <laughs> shit you get fired for. <laughs> That's exactly right, because you can always put on more layers and it's never an HR problem. If I start exactly. peeling off layers, we're only getting through like one or two layers before like the, the police are involved. Like <laughs> it, that's the problem. And it's much easier to get warm than it is to get cold or, or to get cool. And you know, there are a lot of people and you know, you and I are, are both portly gentlemen. And I think that this is something that we may experience to a greater extent than some other people. But you know, those of us that are hot natured, when we get hot, we get cranky. But here's and the thing that's important. My comfort. <laughs> I mean, I've always I've always thought that my comfort was uh, more important than everybody else's, but you know, it's really all about compromise because if you have people that cannot decide on a temperature and decide not to come to any agreement on, you know, some middle ground, some uh you know, some, you know, DMZ or, or no man's land where, you know, where they leave it and nobody's allowed to touch it one way or the other, then you have a problem. Now, one of my favorite ones uh, was when a friend of mine who he wasn't he's not even the kind of person that gets that hot. Mm -hmm. But just because it was an ongoing thing, he had gotten moved into the office that in that building just so happened to have the main climate control for like a third of the floor. Oh, God. And... Once he got control of it, because there was uh, some slightly built person who had that before, and they kept it at, you know, 97 degrees year round. <laughs> okay. Once he got in there, it was like, this is set to 65, and fuck all y'all get a blanket. And uh, <laughs> I was a happy camper. Nice. That is I was beautiful. like, yes, I... The, the only other time I have been as comfortable, I literally got stuck in the server room that was in the process of being decommissioned. Oh. Oh. And so, like, there was maybe two racks of servers that had been, right. you know, downsized from an entire room, like Roomful. a gigantic room. Yeah. And, and it had been downsized to, like, two two little racks of, uh, of servers. So but you're getting all the, the cooling, all the airflow, and none of the heat from the servers. Exactly. And it was, it was like, 63 degrees in that room all the time. <laughs> and they were like, are you sure you don't, like, we could maybe get a desk in the hall. And I'm like, nah, <laughs> Fuck I'm <that>. fine. <laughs> 
for for uh, our listeners that don't know, uh, servers are generally kept in this big room uh, that has the coolest shit ever uh, as far as a cooling system because it's kept very cold and the air actually literally comes from the floor. Like there are little holes all through the floor and the air just blows up and you can feel it. Like if you're, you know, a couple feet off the floor and you hold out your hand, you can actually feel the air coming up. It's like, so it's like being on a gigantic air hockey mat. Like, right. Exactly. Beautiful. And it is wonderful because for us portly fellows, you know, I would love to go, you know, I, I used to love having to go down to the server room to check on a server or, you know, talk to the, uh, the guys, uh, in that department, because that meant that I got to go to, the, the coolest room in the building, like second only to like the milk refrigerator, like, <laughs> like maybe that was colder, but everything else was just, you know, everything else in the, in the, the whole complex was 70 degrees, 75 degrees, uh, more likely 75 degrees. Cause they don't like to pay for air conditioning as much, but, uh, but yeah, then you go to the server room and it's a, a solid like 60 sec, you know, 66, 67, it was splendid. Yep. Got the undercarriage all cool. <laughs> now, uh... They did not like it when I showed up in a Marilyn Monroe dress. <laughs> 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 and you just popped in. Happy birthday, Mr. President. Hey, boys. <laughs> <laughs> it was also a bad choice on my part. Very tasteless to also go commando that day. Yeah. Um... I did not plan ahead, but you know, you know, variety and spontaneity is a spice of life. Yeah, and, and it's always <laughs> fine to do the Bugs Bunny, like. <laughs> yeah, although uh, having them uh, dock my pay for the uh, the PTSD counseling they had to do for the rest of the server room, guys, <laughs> uh, I probably would would make a different choice if I had to go back and do it again. But now, throughout my career, I have actually avoided those sweet swanky corner offices that in you know media they tell you that everybody wants desperately okay because here's the thing when you've got a corner office with like floor to ceiling glass windows oh god you're living inside a goddamn terrarium like i have exactly right you are living in a greenhouse yeah i have never seen one of those that wasn't like just an uncomfortably hot temperature for a large period of the time and I right. had been offered one of those offices at one point, and I was like, no, it would be a waste because I know me, I would have, like, boards nailed over every <laughs> fucking window in this thing, turning it into a cave. So please well, you know, give it to somebody else. Where I've been offered, uh, you know, window seats or, like you said, like offices that, uh, uh, windows to the outside. And, you know, they're, you know, if I didn't happen to get that office that had the window to the outside, they'd be apologizing. It's like, we're really sorry. You know, we, we didn't have two offices that had uh, windows to the outside. So I'm really sorry you're going to have to go to the inside. I'm like, nah, man, you should have given me the option before because I would have chosen I'm the good. dungeon straight away. Like, you can, you can stick <laughs> me in the goblin cave and I will be perfectly happy because them goblins <laughs> is like it, it cool. Is it damp? Is there dripping water? I like this. This is pretty homey. I mean, my, my phone is waterproof. I can put something over my computer. I can, I can work with this just fine. Um, and you know, and like I said, goblins like it a little cooler. I would, I would believe so. 
plus, you know, the the demeanor is you know pretty similar. I mean, I worked around you, so I know I can work around like goblins and shit. Like, yeah, exactly. I, I've been trained. You got to keep a torch lit, make sure that you don't get eaten by a Gru. But other than that, <laughs> oh no. But uh, you know, it, it can get a little bit testy uh, to kind of <laughs> to kind of navigate the waters uh, because you know there are lots of folks that uh, that just tend to be more cold natured and. It doesn't necessarily, you know, it doesn't have to be like particular body types. Like it's not like all skinny people are, you know, the uh, harbingers of <laughs> the fires of hell as far as temperature goes. A lot of them are the same kind of people that want to speak to your manager, though. So, <laughs> um, but no, uh, so with with folks that tend to be a little bit more cold natured. I would suggest that, you know, you can talk to your coworkers. You know, hopefully they are amicable and would be happy to compromise. In the case where they are not, what are your options? Uh, Obviously, I mean, overthrowing mm -hmm. the entire office to seize control of the thermostat is always an option. And I, I would say in some cases that's that's probably too much collateral damage, but I think this is a very worthy worthy cause to uh to overthrow the king and claim your cool fiefdom. I am cold miser. That's that's the only other th- <laughs> like the other thought I have is that we just have to do that duet. Uh, but no, you'd have to find somebody else to do the duet because I would not want to be the heat miser. Oh, you don't have um, to be heat miser. Heat miser is whoever that other person in the office is. Like, okay, uh, the, I'll okay. teach them not, their not lines. Not like you and me, but like you and the other person. Oh yeah, um, no, no. Are we you in can, some sort of like like sing off competition? Like who, like whoever sings it better, uh, gets to, to to reign over the temperature gauge? Or if we're doing that, we might have to let you be cold miser because yeah. my singing voice leaves a little to be desired, <laughs> which is to say, a singing <laughs> voice. Yeah, not not exactly the most uh, you know wonderful singing voice. I, though, though I haven't, you know, that brings up a point. I've never heard you sing. There is a reason and a rationale for that. I still like you to some extent, and I don't want you to have to suffer needlessly. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel that there's this is one part of our uh, our friendship that hasn't been reciprocated because. Uh, you know me. Anytime somebody like <laughs> makes a reference that could be the part of a lyric of any song that's ever been created, I go off into you know it, it becomes a karaoke bar in the middle of the meeting. And you know that that we would do that on purpose too, right? Like that was a Look, thing people I, were doing in meetings. They were like, "Let's toss out half a half a set of lyrics to a song and see if uh, we can make Derek break into song." <laughs> I mean. I'm not mad at that. That's fine. <laughs> that just means that you wanted the the sweet tones of my voice to to serenade you, and the dulcet tones I, of Derek. yeah. I can't be mad at that. Um, <laughs> although every time, uh, every time somebody says hello, uh, I I I do have to fight the urge not to sing. <laughs> Is it me hello? you're looking for? It's me you're looking for. Um, because that that's a little bit too like. That happens all the time. That's not exactly special. It's just Everybody I can't that. stop myself. Um, but uh, but yeah, there are some more specific ones that it can get a little bit uh, melodic in some of our meetings. I mean, you can also like like you said before, 
uh, there are people that have like their work blankets or their work jackets and things like that. Um, those are very considerate people. And I, I, you know, I applaud them and I respect them quite a bit because they understand that they have a, um, you know, <laughs> their body does not produce the chemical reactions to keep them warm. Um, so they, you know, bring a jacket or bring a blanket or something and they don't inflict their malady on other people. Um, unfortunately we are not as nice, uh, and we are, we are super happy to, to take advantage of their niceness. Um, I mean, but, I, I am like, well, we know who I am. My <laughs> reputation precedes me in most instances. Like this is a battle that is fought day to day in my car. Like oh. there are blankets in my car that are not for me. They're for everyone else who gets into my car because it is well known that I tend to keep it like just slightly above meat packing plant. <laughs> and see, and Frank here, I was thinking that those blankets and that shovel <laughs> were in case you had to dispose of a body really quickly. And I'm sure it doubles dual as purpose, that. dual purpose, right? Baby. Dual purpose. But uh, Alton but Brown no, says I, no I, unitaskers. <laughs> uh, yeah, Al- Alton Brown would be proud of that. No- nothing that serves single purpose. All right, want to take an audience question? Let's do it. Hit me. Hi. <laughs> How do you talk to your boss about the fact that he regularly misses your scheduled meetings with no notice? i.e. sitting on a call waiting for 30 minutes for him to dial in. Sent in by waiting in Westlake. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've, I've had some folks like this uh, in my office environments. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think a lot of it has to do with like people that just send out like shotgun meeting invites. Like... Okay, I know that I need to talk to these ten people, so let me let me all schedule them for the the you know the thirty minutes that I have free today, and the oh. first one to answer my conference call will will win the spot, and everybody else can you know apparently get fucked. Um, I've encountered that, those that, people before, and that's fucking terrible. It is. It it is extremely disrespectful, um, because I know that I know that upper management like yeah maybe their time is a little bit more valuable than than the common man uh but not by a huge margin like until <laughs> i'm upper management no it's not <laughs> until you have a vested interest in that being the case no it is not um so so uh, have you had a bunch of people that or, or have you had anybody in your past offices that were uh, want to do this to you uh, you know, I've, I've had people who, uh, not that they would show up late, but that they would just not show up, right. uh, you know, that they, they would schedule a meeting and then they just wouldn't show up. And for me, like you get one of those. And then uh-huh. after that, you like, you can schedule the meeting, but if I know that you're a regular no-show, I will work to schedule the meeting in such a way that you will have to pass by and, like, fetch me. Right. And and yeah, that's, it, that's the working relationship I have with... I, and I've had that with multiple, like, supervisors and, and other people like that, where it's like, 
All right, I have now shown up to, you know, two meetings that you just weren't there for, so feel free to schedule <laughs> something, but stop by my desk because I'm not going to be there otherwise. Yeah. Yeah, one of uh, <clears throat> one of my previous, um, you know, co-worker slash boss, uh, he had the bad habit of scheduling, like, really important, important meetings, uh, sometimes with clients. <laughs> And so uh, we'd be in the meeting room, you know, 10 minutes in, you know, we're, we're sitting there <laughs> waiting you know, the him. breeze and, and, and just winging it by in time. Um, because I mean, you know, the, the clients are really close to us. So it's not like, uh, they thought that we were unprepared. They, they knew what the score was. Um, but we were just sitting there kind of just chilling, waiting for him to show up and kind of making little, little references to him not being there. And I'll look out the fucking window and he's getting in his car, and <laughs> I'll shoot him an email. And it's like, I'm out of the office. I'm going to be, you know, out of town going to, you know, somewhere important, like some important meeting. And I'm like, you son of a bitch. Like, God damn you it. You could have at least, like, if, if if you had to leave, that's fine. I understand that. But don't accept the, the meeting and have the client expect you to be there so they can talk to you, so, something that only you can decide. Like... <laughs> That's disrespectful to everybody. <laughs> no, I, I, or at least schedule the meeting for one of the interior rooms that don't have windows. So we, <laughs> so can't, we can't see you see get you. in the fucking car and drive off. <laughs> can't see you, like, sneaking out the back and hopping in your car, peeling rubber out of the parking lot. <laughs> was that was that Bob? Did he have golf clubs? <laughs> uh, his meeting is obviously with the president, then. Oh, definitely. <laughs> uh, so I've heard that some people try to engage the uh, the college rule. Do you remember this okay. one? Yeah, where it's like uh, if the professor doesn't show up for like X amount of minutes, then you can just leave. Yeah, there's there's that one. I think that some people leverage. Which I think in a work setting that actually is uh, it, it's probably the unspoken rule. Uh, but I will say, uh, from experience that for college classes, maybe that used to be the rule, but that is no longer the case. Nope. That's a quick way to find yourself failing a class. No, I mean, I've never, I've not yet run into a situation in which someone who was habitually late, if they showed up to the meeting and found no one there eight minutes into the meeting, got upset. Right. Like, if I, I work if it, with if somebody. If that's their shtick, yeah, if that's their shtick, they know. And so they're like, they're not going to be, they may not be apologetic about it, but at least they're not going to come, you know, looking for heads to take off if you weren't there half an hour after they were supposed to be there. Right. Yeah. Like, if I worked with somebody who wanted to get upset, you know, that they were 10 minutes late to the meeting and everybody wandered off and they're so fucking important that everyone <laughs> obviously should have just stayed in the room or stayed on the line past 10 yeah. minutes. Like, nah, fuck you, man. <laughs> like, there's, I, I will go find another place of employment before that happens. I agree with that that wholeheartedly, and and I also agree with like the the everybody gets one freebie, but you know once is an accident and twice is always. So if if it happens again, then that's just that's just the way they roll, and <laughs> that kind of colors like whatever amount of respect I had for them. Like 
it takes it down by a certain percentage and then it and it, it can never go past that like like that is a permanent uh degradation of respect for somebody um because you know i you know like like we talked about before i used to be a manager of you know 30ish people and you know with those 30 people like if i made a if i had a meeting with them i i showed up because you know i'm not going to ask anybody else to do something that i'm not willing to do uh and that included showing up to a certain place at a certain time you know if yeah. if they can take time out of their their work schedule that you know at you know admittedly was pretty hectic like there was a lot of work to do um if they can take their time to you know get behind on their work and and meet me then damn sure I'm I'm either going to be there or I'm going to let them know far ahead of time. So here's the thing. Okay. Since you're no longer really a manager, is it that you care too much about other people's time and you respect them? <laughs> are you are you saying that's why I'm not a manager anymore? Maybe. <laughs> See, you I, contain I you too much to decency, Derek. <laughs> because, because I, uh, you know, I met, I willingly chose to, uh, to leave the role and, and, you know, go to another company because I didn't want to be a manager anymore. Um, but I think that might be part of the impetus is because to be a manager, you have to be, uh, a lot of things that I don't like to be. And, uh, you know, towards the end of my tenure as a manager, like I felt like my soul was crushed. Like, <laughs> like I felt I felt awful all the time. But if your and, soul you know, gets crushed enough, Derek, eventually it begins to harden into diamond, which is precious. <laughs> are, are you trying to tell me how to become you? Well, I mean, that was last episode, I believe. <laughs> all right. Um, yeah, yeah. So maybe I left, I left the game because, uh, you know, the game was trying to to play me and I wasn't into that. No, it was just that I, the, the soul, the soul crushing responsibility of being an empathetic person in a role that had to do with managing other people and listening to their problems was killing me. So, <laughs> <laughs> that's not funny, but it's true. <laughs> uh, I guess it's not supposed to be funny. I'm sorry. It's a little funny. <laughs> <laughs> uh so how do we talk to the boss about that fact i like that's oh, a God. that's a hard thing to do i don't think you talk to the boss i mean i yeah, think you just I, you you passive aggressive i definitely passive aggressive it but you know if you were to talk to the boss like what what is the best case scenario like i think that if it if your boss was somebody who would be like okay with that conversation like they probably wouldn't be missing your meetings in the first place. Yeah. So I think that's enough indication that you really can't go talk to them. You have to be petty. Like <laughs> you have to go full on, full on petty mode and passive aggressive this shit. Yeah. Like if, if they cared enough about you to not, uh, regularly miss your meetings, then you could have a conversation with them. The fact that they're doing this means that you are just going to have to show up to meetings uh, and then leave after 10 minutes. Do that for like three or four meetings. <laughs> but then then the joy is you just don't have to show up after that. If you know right. that they're habitually <laughs> 10, 20, 30 minutes late, 
you just don't show up, and all you have to do is say, oh, I waited for ten minutes and you weren't there. I figured you'd stop by if you needed to talk to me. See, I I get that. I I hear where you're coming from, but with with my luck, uh, or maybe it's just my anxiety showing, uh, <laughs> but if I decided not to go to the meeting that day, it's like, today's the day I'm, I'm taking a stand, and I am not going to go to that meeting because I know he's going to be late. That would be the first time that he was on time and ready. And all of a sudden he comes charging down the hall wondering where the fuck I am. Like, that would be my luck. Like, that's just. <laughs> You're right. You're such a gentle creature, Derek, that that is probably exactly what would happen. <laughs> uh, all right. So what other petty things can you do <laughs> to make this better? Um, so, so the question is, are we, are we looking to correct a behavior or are we just wanting to, uh, seek some sort of like, um, cosmic revenge, uh, either directly or indirectly? Well, most recently I was on a couple of conference calls that didn't get started right away because we were waiting for people and I amused uh-huh. myself by creating my own hold music. <laughs> I just started routing like, <laughs> okay. Aha, uh-huh, take on me in to everyone else. Nice. It you know, it amused me. I had like a whole playlist of of uh, you know, chill hold music tunes <laughs> of the eighties. <laughs> you uh were playing uh you know acting out your fantasy of being DJ Feastman for a exactly. while. Exactly. DJ Feastman was in the house <laughs> spinning spinning some of those dope cassettes from the late nine, uh, late eighties and early nineties. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying the market's out there for that, but I'm glad you get to get a little bit, a little piece of your happiness. All those bad meetings. Yeah, I'm trying to think of something petty. And see, here's the problem: is that I think that by and large, uh, you are far more petty than I am. <laughs> this is true. So if we're coming up with uh with funny petty shit, um, I mean, at best, like. I could probably get away with like sending an email to the client and saying, "Oh, we had some, you know, so and so had a scheduling conflict and couldn't make it, and we didn't find out until afterwards." Like something that's not directly saying he done goofed uh, and was disrespectful to you and me, uh, but that you know, I think that the client would understand, like after the second or third time, that that's what was happening, and I think that might be something that would correct the behavior because. You know, by and large, managers don't like to like look bad. So there's that that might correct the behavior. My thought is, uh, and not to show my hand again, uh, you just feign technical difficulties once they actually do arrive to the meeting. <laughs> like, just don't take it off of mute. Yeah, and I, I think uh, I think you're bringing up a pretty valid point. Is that you know, even when you don't want technical difficulty. Your meetings are always plagued with technical technical difficulties, and uh, if you're skillful about it, I, I think you can get away with a lot of shenanigans. <laughs> but the problem is, you can't do like the old uh, shitty landline version or like radio version, where it's like, <laughs> sorry, you're bring- <laughs> You have to go with the more modern, uh, more modern avenues where it's like, you just know, hang up and say <laughs> like that you're talking- crashed. Yeah, say your computer crashed, or like you just talk and be like, "Hello, hello," and they're like sitting there t- 
talking and you can clearly hear them, but you act like you don't. Like, I think that would be enough to make somebody so frustrating or, or so frustrated that they would just hang up. Um, but, you know, you got to be skillful about it. Yeah. But, I mean, we've all been in bad enough meetings that we can pantomime these things, or at least I would hope so. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I'd be able to come up with a pretty convincing uh, uh, pantomime of of bad connection. Because, you know, I've been in some offices that really did not have their infrastructure sh- infrastructure shit together. So, yeah, I could definitely... I've got some some in the repertoire. Oh, I mean, hell, at this point, we're in the process of, like, Microsoft is retiring Skype. They're trying to get people to use this new Teams thing. You've got uh, half a dozen different possible meeting rooms, clients, and technologies, and all that stuff. Like, at this point, no one knows what it is. Like, from meeting to meeting, we might be using completely different software that right. are, is interacting with various computers in completely unpredictable ways. Like now is ripe for just like wait until the boss shows up in the meeting, disconnect, send a me- send a message right after saying sorry my computer crashed. Get on there, redial back into the meeting. Just leave it on mute. Say I don't know what's wrong. I can't get my microphone to work. Right. I mean he's wasted thirty minutes of your time. You might as well waste thirty minutes of his. Right. So, yeah, I'm not sure that we can be directly helpful on how to correct the behavior, but uh, these are all this has been a presentation of some of the ways that you can make yourself feel victorious in the long run. And isn't feeling victorious what really matters? I think so. (laughs) I mean, when I stole that gold medal uh, (laughs) from from the, you know, the track meet, um, I felt like I won. But uh, the the police and the organization that ran it did not feel that I'd won. I still want the uh, women's curling gold. <laughs> You're never going to let that go. The one time they were just handing out medals to whoever wanted one. And you weren't I there. I could have got it. I could have been just... a contender. <laughs> <laughs> want to take an issue oh. from the internet? Let's do it. What do we got? What do we All got? Right. What do we got? See, I didn't necessarily plan this, uh, but this is also another boss-related one. Um, how can I convince my boss that using Comic Sans font for all internal and external communication is a bad idea? He's asking for con- concrete, specific reasons, and I'm having trouble articulating any. It's kind of just a gut thing, and that is by Kobe Altman, or... Or Cobb Yaltman. Cobb Yaltman. (laughs) Cobb Yaltman. Cobb Yaltman, (laughs) we feel your pain. Esquire. (laughs) I think, I know there's probably several graphic designers out there that would uh, just douse themselves in gasoline and set themselves on fire. I think that's the only recourse uh, for some people that feel so passionate about their craft. Um, But (laughs) this is, this is not a good thing. Um... I, I know that we, you know, everybody knows that sometimes there are bosses that just get promoted to a point where they are no longer effective. And the Peter Principle. They're so out of touch. The, the, the what? Peter Principle. What's it called again? Yeah. Um, you know, just get promoted to the point of just complete inefficacy. And I'm not saying this is 100% evidence of that, but 
<laughs> there are some people that are so out of touch that there's there's nothing you can do to tell them that Comic Sans is not the right font. The unironic uh, like, use of Comic Sans is a war crime at this point in history. <laughs> it it clearly is written in the uh, the Geneva Convention. Um, <laughs> oh man, like that's just I I don't. It's almost to the point that I don't know if I believe it, but I have to believe it because <laughs> I know that the world is a sad enough place that this has to be true. Right. Like, there's and, somebody and out not, there who's like, just like, I really like Comic Sans. I think I should set it as my, you know, font for all communique. And, it, you know, it's one of those things that, like, it, it's hard to tell why somebody's using it because if if somebody looks at comic sans and it just makes them happy like if if they just look at it and they you know all those bad business emails where they're delivering bad news like they can think oh i'm just oh i'm typing a delightful joke or something because that's what this font normally represents like if it makes them happy to use it uh i know i personally uh maybe you feel differently uh i would feel a little bit bad at like kind of crushing their spirit I wouldn't. I mean, this person <laughs> sounds you... like a remake of American Psycho. <laughs> he, he hands you his business card, and you're like, "My God, look at that! Look at that twelve point comic sans." Like this is the kind of person that you know. They just hand their business card over, and it is the unfilmed season of Hannibal. <laughs> is what Maz Mickelson does to this person over the course of 12 oh. episodes. Oh my God. Um, okay. So I, I know we talked about, uh, the, you know, the unironic use of comic sans being bad. Uh, I mean, I can't think of any reason, like even if somebody was doing it to be funny, like writing some sort of passive aggressive, letter on the refrigerator or on the snack machine or something even then like if they're trying to make people extra mad then i think that they have achieved their purpose but but i can't imagine any any time when even ironically i would be okay with somebody using comic like it's sans it's so bad at this point i don't think one can ironically use comic sans like i think we're to the point in history where it is the ironic use of Helvetica that is the <laughs> double backflip Comic Sans-esque ironic font choice for right. passive-aggressive notes. Like, this is just so established fact. <laughs> like, gravitational theory... <laughs> The Earth rotates around the sun and is a sphere, and you don't use Comic Sans. <laughs> which which is to suggest, because well, I know that there's those flat Earth assholes out there. <laughs> I was hoping. I was hoping. So you're all their fucking literature is because... probably written in Comic Sans. Oh my god! Oh, oh! I want to believe that. I want to believe that. <laughs> Whatever, whatever holy text that the flat earthers have managed to uh, to produce 
<laughs> is all written in yes, Comic Sans. Yes, the Flat Sans. Earth Bible is written oh. completely in Comic Sans. This is now uh, <laughs> fact. This is truth. It is out in the world and it cannot be retracted. And, you know, Comic Sans, like, produces something, like, chemically in the brain that is that is so much, so much worse than any other font. Like, I would prefer somebody write a letter uh, or write something and print it out and post it somewhere in like wingdings or something. <laughs> like I would, I would, I would prefer like cuneiform and you know, make me like look it up on the internet or something to figure out what this is. Like, even if it's something important and instructional, like, you know, don't touch the coffee pot or it will explode. I would rather it be in cuneiform than in comic. Like sans. the comic sans <laughs> was the proliferation of font to the masses like it was originally based on uh lettering you know comics from from comic books i think specifically the lettering from watchmen which is one of my favorite texts but it was i mean it has become sort of a cultural byline for terrible choices because right. it's just it got so overused <laughs> because it was included in Windows, which was, you know, the most massively installed computer operating system. And so then anybody that was right. looking for something that was quirky or, you know, loose and funny and haha, check me out, was using Comic Sans <laughs> to the point that it's so oversaturated everything that it's now painful. When when in and of itself, right. it's it, you know it wasn't necessarily a terrible thing. It was based on comic books. Like okay, sure, it's just right. once you have put that into the world, so that every single you know fucking bake sale project is going to have a fifty-five point Comic Sans note attached to it. <laughs> it's just so overplayed. But just like Pepe the Frog, just like Pepe the Frog. Just because it's a good thing you created does not mean that people use it for the power of this good. This is true. Uh, and now, like, uh, it's uh, the Flat Earthers and uh, Nazis. Those are the only people that are uh, using Comic Sans on the regular. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. I, I'm, I'm adding this to my wish list. I want a copy of the Flat Earth Bible in Comic Sans. And I... Maybe don't buy me a copy, but I want a picture of a copy of Mein Kampf <laughs> written in Comic Sans. This is... I don't want yeah, it because... Nobody, I don't want anybody to get any money. Nobody needs that, but uh, <laughs> I'm fairly certain that that's, no. that's just what I'm going to picture, at least from now on. Uh, all those people <laughs> carrying around their little pocket Mein Kampfs written completely in Comic Sans. See, and... And I think maybe that was part of the, like the warning sign. Like as soon as it started getting translated into English and it was automatically written in Comic Sans, we should have known that something was wrong. Indeed. But, but nobody looked at the signs back in the forties and and thirties. Yeah, they just unfortunately didn't know what it would be uh, in the forties when Comic Sans was secretly <laughs> invented as uh, one of the secret German occult weapons programs. Oh no. Oh, that means that it was very it was. effective. Uh, maybe, maybe not like completely ubiquitously because it's not actually like in any true weaponized form now. But you know, there are some people that have adopted it, and uh, I guess through some sort of subversion, uh, they are you know somehow <laughs> it has rooted into their brain 
at their brainstem. Well, you know, there's the um, whole a million monkeys with a million typewriters for a million years will eventually <laughs> produce all the works of uh, Shakespeare. I think this right? is that they had hoped to install Comic Sans on enough computers that eventually just mankind would collectively accidentally write the Necronomicon. <laughs> Which must be written in Comic Sans to bring about the end times. Obviously. Obviously. Uh, you know, we, we talk about, uh, you know, these these elder languages that, you know, nobody can read and nobody can speak and things like that. And really, it's not that they can't. It's just that they refuse to because it's all written in Comic Sans. And, and until, you know, the recent times, until like... <laughs> <laughs> the late 80s early 90s uh microsoft hadn't given it a yeah, name yet that, that's what it but, was but now we know that was what they're what lovecraft <laughs> See, was somebody... referring to when he you know said things that man was not meant to know <laughs> the elder god speech the reason that we can't uh understand it is because it's actually the the audible version of comic yep. sans <laughs> <laughs> exactly That's why their names should never be spoken, because that would be another use of exactly. Comic Sans. <laughs> he who shall not be named. The unspeakable ones. Oh. No, but I think in general, if somebody is habitually using Comic Sans and it's unironic, I, I'm not sure there's anything you can do to help them. Because at this point, you know, they had to <laughs> they had to have avoided common sense for an extended period of time. To think that comic sans. I think okay. we have at this point categorically proven that they're a cultist and or a deep one in disguise. Hmm. I can get behind that. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I don't have anything funny to say about it, but. <laughs> Just like, yep. Yeah, true. That's pretty right. All right, Derek. Want to punch the clock? Oh, I could think of nothing better. If you have any questions you'd like for us to answer on air, send them to questions at WLICast.com. They don't have to be work-related, and at this point, they're pretty much guaranteed to make it on the show. You can also visit us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash WLICast or on Twitter at WLIMbalance and use the hashtag WLICast. This has been the Work-Life Imbalance Podcast. I'm Frank Eastman. And I'm Derek Lewis. And with that, I think we're going to have to transfer you. Hey, hey. Hello. Can you hear me? I'm in California <laughs> dreaming about who we used to be. Well done. <laughs> That's the other one that just that pops into my head all the time. Look, man, this is my whole damn life. It is just me trying to restrain myself from turning shit into a fucking riff off from Pitch Perfect. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> that is literally my whole life. Like anytime I hear something oh. that could be construed as a song lyric, immediately my gut, my mind goes there. So if you think that I, I'm ever giving you a blank look, <laughs> uh, you know that, that I'm not understanding what you're saying. No, it's not that. It's that I'm I'm trying to process what you're saying while fighting the urge to break out into song. <laughs> <laughs> oh.